Welcome to Off Code, the show where we ignore the cultural code and have real and intriguing conversations regarding the Black community and ways we can move forward to human flourishing. All right, welcome back to another episode of Off Code. I am Monique Dusan. And I am Kevin Briggins, and you guys are back with us. You stayed with us for part two of Black Abortion, going through the Vox article titled Black Women Will Suffer the Most Without Roe. Uh, this is a very, very heavy, packed article. And so it's taking us two episodes just to get through it. And so we didn't want to cut you guys short and just kind of finish really quick. So we decided, you know what, let's just make this two episodes and expand out. And uh, that's what we're doing. Yeah. And if you haven't seen the first episode, we are not about to rehash all that we talked about in that episode. So go back and watch the previous episode, episode one on black abortion, so that you can hear the the conversation in context and not just get the tail end of it. Okay, so the section that we're going to start reading is entitled Black Women Have High Rates of Unintended Pregnancy. In 2011, the latest year for which data is available, 48% of all pregnancies in the United States were unintended, meaning that they were unplanned, mistimed, or unwanted at the time of conception. Black women are disproportionately at risk for unintended pregnancy. 63% of all pregnancies for black women were unintended compared to 42% for white women. The study found that women who experience unintended pregnancy have a significant risk of sickness and death. They were also more likely to be poor and to have inadequate access to reliable and affordable contraception. What say you, Kevin, Mr. Briggins, <laughs> drop the knowledge. Oh, it's just the way it's framed, disproportionately at risk. You're not at risk of pregnancy unless you do a particular thing, right? Yes. This is, you're not a victim of something, right? This is not something that we need to fix because you're disproportionately, we, we are disproportionately represented in these numbers. It's like, no. Um, but, but with that said, um, I just don't, I don't see this as a, a black issue per se. Like this isn't, um, you know, okay, 63% of black pregnancies are unplanned. That's life. Right, you're doing things that lead to pregnancy, and like one okay, one day you're not feeling too well, you take a pregnancy test, you're pregnant. That's just life, yes, it's not something to overcome, yes, <laughs> nor is it because you're black, yes, exactly. But that's the way that it's framed. Like this is a disproportionate yes. um, number. And so because the, the number is disproportionate, it needs to be fixed because there's a disparity in these numbers. Well, that must mean that there is some kind of power play or something that is inequitable. Like this conversation of black pregnancy never leads to the true conversation that needs to happen, which is morality. Why, why, why are we just sleeping around or why are you doing things that are 
Yeah, I, I will. I will say I, I don't know. I don't know what the right word is, but I feel like there's a morality conversation there because, as we saw earlier, a disproportionate number of these women are single women. I, I know what the word is. It's a very popular word right now, being made more popular by a particular uh, Democrat senator in Rhode Island. That word is twerking. That's what's Ooh. going on. There's mm. a lot of twerking going on. Mm. <laughs> Let's be real. Yeah. You're not getting yeah. pregnant if you ain't twerking. Yeah. Well, somewhere. You might somewhere not be able to beat on your head like she was, but. <laughs> somebody somewhere dropping it like it's hot but i mean we don't talk about this we're not talking about we want to sit here and have a conversation at least this article has the conversation of all of these things are the reason why we should keep abortion legal well it's like well what if we talked about the things that are happening before you even got to the place of needing an abortion in the first place yes yes The, the fact that you are now at the place of needing an abortion we we didn't skip some steps and it's not power dynamics that are causing the majority of, of, you know, the abortions that we're seeing among the black community. Yeah. And it really comes down to the culture doesn't want to be told that they need to change their behavior, especially when it comes to sex, you know, no people don't want to be told they need to stop, you know, doing whatever it is they're doing. The biblical term is fornicating. It is. It if is. I was on the street, I'd say, huh, when I'm around. But that's wrong. Like, I'm not trying to say that everybody's doing that. No. But, but to a degree, it's like, if you if you think, and I know people are going to be like, it's my body, it's my choice. You just talked about it agency is. and autonomy and all of that. And yes, you do have everything. Everything is set up for you to choose what you do with your body. But let's be clear that when it comes to an abortion, an abortion is not your body it is an abortion is a completely different body that we are now talking about yes um it it is a yeah it is a complete disregard to all the choices you have before you get to that point yeah and that is what that is what nobody wants to uh kind of address it's the elephant in the room you know i wrote a note that says what does this say about the state of black women if we like, I always say, stay ready because then you don't have to get ready. But in this conversation, it's like nobody's ready. Is no one ready that 63% of all pregnancies for black women were unintended? Like, what does that really say? Yeah. And, and yeah, what I mean, is, go ahead. No, it is just a sign of the state of our relationships. You know, um, the state of, you know, we call what we call hookup culture, whether we call, ooh, what's a PC word for it? Um, oh, I know the PC word. It's friends with benefits, right? Um, you know, it's just a lot of casual hooking up. Like, we ain't together, but I'm going to call him at 2 o'clock in the morning to come over. Mm-hmm. Right? It's a lot mm-hmm. of that type of stuff going on. And um, that's what nobody really wants to talk about. And I think that is what the overturning of Roe and a lot of these laws in these states are going to cause women to question more is, should I invite him over or am not on birth control 
you know, it, it's just going to cause people to think mm-hmm. about the consequences of their actions and yes. hold people accountable for their actions. You're not a victim of pregnancy. And that's the whole my body, my choice thing It's almost if they pretend that to be pregnant is to be oppressed, to be mm-hmm. pregnant is to be a victim. You're not a victim to your child growing in your womb. You're not a victim to that. Right. And so um, it's just the whole framing of the issue. And I was talking to somebody recently about this issue. And it really comes down to the black community adopted the feminist movement's uh, mentality. Right. Mm. Say more about that. Yeah. And so basically you had the, the feminist movement they know that took off. And before, you know, we talk about the post uh civil war, right? Era, right? Not civil mm-hmm. war. The post World War Two. No, oh, World War Two. Okay. Okay. No, I'm thinking about a war, I was just wrong war. Uh, I was getting that mixed up with civil rights. So post World War Two or pre World War Two, you had black marriage rates that were even higher than whites, right? Mm-hmm. And then, no, that was 1945. Then you get to the 50s and 60s and you get this big push for this big feminist movement, right? Women's liberation movement. Um, to, to be free to, uh, to compete with men is essentially what it is, right? And so you have women who believe that for a woman to compete with a man within the workplace, she had not only to be uh, have the ability to not get pregnant, contraceptive, but she needed to have the ability to become unpregnant, abortion, oh. right? Mm-hmm. It was to be liberated from the oppression yeah. of pregnancy and childbirth, right? Um, because you can't climb the corporate ladder if, you've, you're, you're, if you're pregnant, right? Um, and so a lot of that mentality got in really was adopted by the black community. When you start seeing high, high levels of um, uh, family, you know, breakups, dysfunctional families, you start seeing, you know, we talk about the welfare system and come in and what that did to the, to the black, you know, pulling fathers out of the home. And so you just get this strong black woman narrative that takes off. Right. It's but a lot of that simply just came from the feminist movement. You know, mm-hmm. we've seen the, 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 um, the logo of the woman, or what I heard, the thing tied around her head. I forgot what it's called, but she's doing the strong. That's the feminine, yeah. that's the strong woman. Black women just took that and made her black. Yeah. That, the strong black woman narrative is not is not unique or did not originate within the black context. It is the, the it is the feminist movement adopted by black women. You know, and that's all it is. And so this abortion issue is the same thing. It is this need to be liberated. My body, my choice. You know, even in the article at the top of the page, you know, we've had it on the screen the last episode. You know, the the black girl with my body, my choice written on her chest, right? That didn't originate in the black community. Mm-hmm. That is a movement we attached ourselves to. Um, and so that's what I mean by the feminist movement. Uh, black women adopting the feminist movement as their own movement. Yeah. Um, because... People will talk about the feminist movement being a suburban uh, uh, white woman movement, right? And then it was adopted by black women, black feminists, you know? And it's all because, and this is why it's so enticing to the black community, it is it is rooted in a liberation type of, of language, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Right? And so that is appealing to us to be liberated because 
that's uh, the focus of a lot of the narrative within the black community. And so yep. the fact that women also need to be liberated apart from the liberation of black people in general, there's a special liberation for women. Uh, well, now there's yeah. an entire feminist liberation movement or in or feminist, um, a feminist liberation theology. So, yes. yeah, it, mm-hmm. yeah, I hear what you're saying. And, but unfortunately, what people don't get, especially Christians, is that this idea of um, abortion, my body, my choice, this strong. And I'm not saying that that women can't be strong, but the way in which feminism does it, especially um, second and third wave feminism, it divorces us from the narrative of scripture. It divorces us from the creation mandate. And so when we look in Genesis and we see the man and the woman together, when we look in Genesis, we see that the woman is to be that she's created as a helpmate to the man that um, that and that doesn't mean that she's not strong. That doesn't mean that she's not powerful and all of that. But there are there are different functions for the man and for the woman um, that women and men together were meant to procreate, to be fruitful and multiply. That gets the 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 feminist ideology especially second and third wave feminism divorces us from the creation ma- mandate because it says well sure you can you know still be with a man but you don't have to multiply mm-hmm. you yeah. are you know all of these different things and you should be as powerful as a man you should be more powerful than a man we don't need men mm-hmm. and so people who espouse this ideology and call themselves Christians are really missing what the word of God says in regards to the man and the woman and how we were designed and what we should be doing in the earth, what our purpose is in the earth to a degree. Yeah, I I agree. And I've also found it ironic that to me, feminism seems to not really like femininity. Mm-hmm. Right? <laughs> it's, right. It's not the uplift of femininity. It's really the desire to pursue masculinity. Oh, that's yeah. really what it comes off as. Mm-hmm. You know, we can be just as strong as you. We can be just as competitive as you. I can compete yeah. with you. I can do everything you can do. I'm strong. I'm a woman. Yeah. It's like, that's just masculinity. Right. Yes. And so, um, and so, yeah, all, all those kind of thought processes and, and, and worldviews and ideologies play into how a lot of the black uh, women have viewed this issue of abortion, the whole adoption of my body, my choice. Mm-hmm. Right. So. All right. I'm going to keep reading because we will not do an episode three. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Uh, in 13 states with trigger bans, locations where abortion will be prohibited within 30 days of the Supreme Court's decision in Dobbs versus Jackson Women's Health, which overturned 1973's Roe v. Wade, are mostly located in the South, where nearly half of the country's bl- black population resides. In Mississippi, the state that filed Dobbs, Black women got 74% of abortions provided in 2019. In Alabama, where an abortion ban went into effect the day the decision came down, it was 62%. In Georgia, where abortions after six weeks may soon be banned if a judge grants the state's request to allow a 2019 law to take effect, 65%. 
Black women are also less likely to have the financial means to afford out-of-state travel for a time-sensitive abortion. Four in black, four in ten black women ages eighteen to forty-four could not afford more than ten dollars for birth control. According to a 2017 survey, while 46% of black mothers of children under 18 said they could afford less than $10, $10 or less. Let me actually state that correctly. Okay. Yeah. These are the numbers that really depress me. Right? Right. 74% of black women. In Mississippi. In Mississippi. Yes. Or 74% of the abortions, abortions yes. were of black women. Yeah. And so this is, this is my neck of the woods, right? South. I'm from Birmingham, Alabama. Mm-hmm. Um, I've lived in the Southeast all my life. I've traveled all over, but I've lived predominantly in the Southeast. Um, yeah, these numbers are really, really sad. And it really goes to show the destructiveness of abortion to a community. Um, because yeah, a lot of the black communities in the South are poor communities. They really are. Um, but you're talking about 74% because the thing there, this is what people don't talk about. Proportionately, they would say black people are more poor, right? But the reality is there are more poor white people in places like Mississippi than poor black people. But yet we are still accounting for 74% of the abortions. So you mean tell me poor white people with the same situations aren't getting abortions? Why is it that blacks are the Mm -hmm. ones getting the abortions? This goes beyond, this goes beyond economic situation or ability to access things because more white people are in those same situations. And so why is it that the rates are so high for us? You know, Mm -hmm. it's it's almost as if abortions are catered to our communities. Yes. That's just, I'm just going to throw that out there. It, I agree with you. The go ahead. Sorry. No, I was, and this this is the thing, because politically, right, we are told that the Republican Party is the party of racists, right? And you hear a lot of this talk about replacement theory, right? Mm-hmm. That white supremacists believe that black people and other minorities are going to replace white people. Mm-hmm. And so there's a fear around that. If that was somebody's fear, they would be for abortions as the status quo in these communities. They would not be the ones fighting to overturn these abortion laws. Right. So let's look at who is actually for these abortion laws. Yeah, I'm just saying that it doesn't add up to the narrative that is told to us. Because if somebody is racist and is afraid that black people overtake them, why are they getting rid of the abortion laws? When when abortion laws overwhelmingly, especially in the South, overwhelmingly affect the black community. 74% in Mississippi, mm-hmm. 62% in Alabama, 65% in Georgia. 
So the overturning of abortion laws is going to increase the black community, right? It's yeah. going to increase the black vote. It's going to do all of those things. Why would someone who is apparently racist against the black community and worried about the black community surpassing them in numbers want more children? That's all I'm going to say is the narrative does not add up to what we're seeing on the political landscape. Yeah. But those who claim to care about us and those who claim to be, say, Black Lives Matter are okay with 74% of abortions being black. Yes. Right? They're they're okay because they never talk about reducing abortion. So abortion used to be safe, legal, and rare, right? That was the goal. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's a necessary mm-hmm. evil, but they should be safe, legal, and rare. We went from that to Abortion everywhere. Like, just have as many. You like just marketing abortions. It it just it doesn't add up to that you care about the black community when you're okay with the destruction of it and only it being cut in half the numbers. That's, that's a, I just want people to think about it a little bit. Yeah, I think you bring out a, you know a really good point that it, the the narrative doesn't add up if you're concerned about the black community. And why we're not thriving and things like that. But then you encourage the murder of black babies. How does that add up? And then when you look at the numbers, especially in this article anyway, to me, it, it reads almost like a, a celebration of the number. You know, like, mm-hmm. hey, look, how, look, look at the percentage. These percentages are so high. We can't get rid of it. We need to keep it. We have to keep abortion because look at how high these numbers are. Instead of saying, yeah. wait a minute, we're killing our kids we're killing the next generation we need to figure out a way to decrease these numbers and have other conversations about upward mobility about how do we thrive as a, a, as a people but instead our answer is leave me alone i'm going to do what i do and then i'm going to kill my kid at the end and i know that's a very crass way of saying it but in reality that's what a lot of people are saying at the end of the mm-hmm. day. Hmm. Yeah. And I know most people don't think this way. Most people are simply bought into the ideology of my body, my choice. Mm-hmm. I've talked to so many people that say, you know, well, we don't have a right to tell a woman what to do with her body. Or a guy would say, you know, hey, I don't have the right to tell her what to do with her body. That, mm-hmm. That's kind of the dominant process thought process behind yeah. it. But if we really just kind of peel that back and look at the larger picture of things, we will see that the reason we've seen the increase and the reason that it is almost kind of like abortion on demand now is because of Planned Parenthood's political activism, right? They they benefit financially off abortions and especially abortion in the black community. We're the number one customer. We are the number one customer for abortion clinics. And so they don't want that to go away. It's an industry like any other industry. There's money to be made. Um, And they have lobbyists who push for certain rules and give money to certain political figures and so certain political parties to make sure that their industry is not interrupted. Mm -hmm. Right. And so 
uh, whereas the, I know the average person isn't thinking about that. They need to understand the reason that it is pushed so heavily is because there's a political um, push for it because somebody is benefiting off of it financially. Sadly. Yes. Yes. And if it wasn't, if there was no benefit, do you really think these big businesses and companies would be willing to pay to have women travel out of state to get an abortion? Like it says, um, black women have black women are also less likely to have the financial means to afford out of state travel for a time sensitive abortion. So now companies like Amazon or Target, they'll help pay for your travel expense. You know why, right? No, well, tell that's me. Cheaper, tell me that's, che- that's cheaper than your maternity leave. Right, you got that. <laughs> Back to work, you. I don't need you off trying to have no kid. No, but go get that abortion. We'll see you Tuesday. Back at work. But how was that in line with wanting to care for the black community? How was that in it's line not. with with you know wanting to make sure that that the the overall um, black community begins to thrive. Because in in a lot of people's mind, children is generating keeping people in poverty. And so they view have black people in a lot of these poor communities having kids as a hindrance to them getting out of poverty. And so they're willing to help them kill their kid so that some hope of they get out of poverty. And it's just really, really a sad if, if I, I'm, I'm convinced that people who promote these things don't just sit around and just really think about what they're really saying. Mm-hmm. They don't. They, there's no way you can sit around and really think about what you're really saying. As I, as I told someone today, because the argument that this person kept giving me was just simply about the woman. They wouldn't even acknowledge the child. Yeah. Right. They wouldn't even acknowledge that this is something that is happening between two separate people, two different people, two individuals, two DNA, two heartbeats. Right. These are two people. They wouldn't even acknowledge that because the minute you acknowledge it, the action you're advocating for becomes unthinkable. Yes. It, it, it is almost like slavery to yep. where you really had to just really dehumanize the person or to not really think about it and just simply call it property rights. Right. Mm. Because the minute you considered that person to be a human being, you understood that not only was it against the constitution or the constitution wasn't aligned with its own morals, but you are on principles, but you also realize from a Christian standpoint that it was wrong. It was wrong. And that's where if people really allowed themselves to really think through this and really see this child for something other than a fetus or a clump of cells, and really can understand that this is a human being, this is a human life they're ending, it becomes unthinkable to simply say, my body, my choice, or her, yes. her body, her choice. Mm-hmm. It can't be left to that, right? If, if, a, if a woman had a baby and the next day she took it home and she took a hammer and crushed his head in, we would, we would feel a certain way about that. So why is it yeah. any different at six months in the womb? Like, it's just... It's un- yes. it, I, I guarantee they're not sitting around really thinking about the implications of their own moral arguments for this. So, I agree. I'm going to keep reading because, like I said, we can't go into a third episode. I might take a bigger chunk Let, this time. Let's do episode three. We're going. We're going. We're doing three. 
I don't know about that. <laughs> okay. Black women have the highest maternal mor- mortality rate in the United States. 55.3 per 100,000 live births for 2020, according to the CDC data, which means they are more likely to die while pregnant during delivery or in, post- in the postpartum period. That year, Black women were 2.9 times more likely to die from a pregnancy-related issue than white women. And then here we see the statistical data between 2018, 2019, and 2020, where we can see that um, Black mortality rates per 100,000 live births in the U.S. grew from 37.3% in 2018 to 55.3% in 2020. Mm -hmm. Continuing. And the rate... uh, Oh, go uh, ahead. Before you go, before you go. They might talk. I don't think they will. But look at that chart. What's 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 the what stands out to me? And this is something I've known even before I saw this chart. The Hispanic rate is lower than the white rate. How is mm-hmm. that? Is mm-hmm. this simply an issue of racism? Right. How are Hispanic rates lower than whites? So clearly there has to be some other reason yep. for the disparity and uh, the maternal health of black women yes. versus other women. It can't yes. simply be, you know, systemic because the Hispanic population, which a lot of them are even, you know, aren't even legal citizens in a lot of cases, mm-hmm. but yet their rates, they're not going to get all the maternal care. Mm-hmm. Their rates yep. are lower than whites. That is something that needs to be explained. Yes. You know, what I, one of the things I was going to say in um, in this piece was that if these numbers are true, why? Like, are we asking the question why? Yes. Are we yes. looking at um, what what different um, medical issues tend to impact blacks, black women more than any other you know ethnic group or racial group, and why? I don't know if people understand the preeclampsia. Um, impacts black women at higher rates. Now, do white women and Hispanic women also deal with it? Yes, but I have not seen yet true data that shows this is why it impacts black women at higher rates, just that Mm -hmm. black women are impacted at higher rates. Can it result in death of the fetus or of the mother? Yes, it causes things like high blood pressure and all of that. And so... um, we have to be asking why we can't just say, well, because there's this disparity, now we need to keep abortion. Yeah. No, we need to get to the root because abortion may not have anything to do with the, the situation. It could be a, a nutrient issue or some other issue. But to just say that there's a disparity, so now we need abortion, doesn't make sense. The lines don't connect. Yep. Yeah. I, I rule up and do a study. Because this, this thing, they always just do white to black, right? Mm-hmm. Blacks are 2.9% more than whites. And just leave it at that. The minute you throw other ethnicities into the to the discussion, it throws off the narrative that race yes. is really, really is. Yeah. Right? And so I would love a study as to why Hispanic women have a lower rate than white women. Mm-hmm. That's Maybe what I would it's like racist. <laughs> I don't know. So... Are, are are white people now victims of this this racism? I mean, maybe, maybe, just, maybe we need to get our white friends to get on the government assistance. 
they they are. I maybe we need to advocate for more. I don't know, but I mean, do yeah, you, do I, just, I just, I just, I just wish there was more analysis. Is. Yeah, I just yeah. wish there was more analysis and thought to it. You know. Yeah, I agree. So, okay, I'm gonna keep reading. Yeah. Um, and the rate has only increased in recent years, growing from 37.3 percent per 100,000 births in 2018 to 55.3 percent in 2020. The CDC attributed black women to high maternal mortality rate to factors like access to care, quality of care, prevalence of chronic diseases, structural racism. There it is. Racism is for everything and And implicit implicit biases. Pregnancy complications are the sixth leading cause of death among black women ages 20 to 44, while pregnancy complications do not rank in the top 10 causes of death for any group of white women. Black women of all education and income backgrounds face the threat of dying in pregnancy and childbirth. Uh, And I, I will stop here and say this. Black women, it says black women of all education and income backgrounds face the threat of dying in pregnancy and childbirth. White women too. Pregnancy ain't easy. I'm I, from what yeah. I've seen, but, the stories but, I've but, heard. Like so, so, yeah, so clearly this isn't an income level. So what is it about black women that makes them a higher risk to um to to this um to, yeah. to dying within childbirth? Yes. What makes black women a higher risk? Is, is it is it something that is genetic? Is it simply genetic and I you know that causes this? Is it diet? Is it the fact that we're more likely to be obese? You know, what is it? I'm just throwing things out there. I don't mm-hmm. know. But to me, that would be, I mean, simply saying access to care and all this kind of stuff, but then saying women, black women, regardless of their economic situation or status, are at a higher risk. Well, then yes. it can't be about access to care and structural racism. Yes. It, it, that just, that just, that's, and another thing to consider too is even if we were to give some some room for um like medical racism medical racism is not in every hospital across the country with every black birth no and it it only affects blacks it's, what about yeah. the hispanic community yeah uh, what what is the what is the more ta- this is a good question cuz i asked was it hereditary what is the mortality rate with African immigrants who have babies in the U.S.? Yes. That's mm-hmm. what I want to know. Is it on the same level as African Americans? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. That's what Good I question. want to know. Yeah. Because, that, that, because if it's not, then it can't quite just be hereditary. Mm-hmm. More than like just narrowing it down from my thought process, no data, no, it just seems to probably be more diet. You know. I also would wonder what is the abortion rate among black Ooh. Africans versus black Americans? Or probably, does black probably, it might be zero. Black of <laughs> any other, you know, so like yes. looking at, you know, someone coming up from like the West Indies or or the islands yes. and you know, all yes. like what what does that look like compared to the black American? That is man, that is something that would be good to dive into. Episode three. I see. Mm-mm. I don't know about that. 
Okay, let me keep going. Um, A 2016 report found that black college-educated moms were more likely to suffer severe complications in pregnancy and childbirth than white women who never graduated high school. But, and Mm. here's the thing, if if you play this all the way out, then black educated moms usually make more money than the poor black mom. They definitely have more education than the poor black mom, but they're, when compared to white women, well, you would have to also compare them, I would say to the black mom too. Is that not correct? Like, am I not thinking about this correctly? That, that uh, black educated, college educated black moms were more likely to suffer severe complications in pregnancy and childbirth than white women who never graduated from high school. Well, I guess maybe you can't draw a direct connection or correlation to, to the poor black mom or the, you know, uneducated black mom, but it, it, it does, it seems like the argument could lean that education doesn't really play a factor in it. Like you have to ask other questions other than education. Yeah, maybe and I'm not thinking clearly, about it right. clearly education doesn't because the rate for college educated black women is higher than white women who didn't even go to high school, who fin- didn't even finish high school. So it's not even an issue of education, status and society. Uh, none of the ac- it's not access to health care because the educated woman is going to have better access and a higher financial status than the poor white woman. But yet her her rate is still higher. And so I think that's why they automatically just go to, okay, well, then it must be some type of structural racism towards yeah. black people. But if it doesn't apply to Hispanics, it doesn't apply to Africans in the United States, then it can't just be. We're going to do a follow. We want to, we want to find those numbers. Cause yeah, yeah. like I know I somebody, we three. can't be the first one. We can't be the first people to think about this. Okay, I'm gonna keep I going. You, you say that. You, gonna... you say that. But uh, this is the thing. You know, we're asking questions. This is critical thinking, right? A lot of people don't do this. A lot of people watch the news, they ingest a narrative, and they regurgitate that narrative back out. That's yeah. all. They don't simply they don't ask questions. They don't think through these things. Uh, they don't look at data and say, "Hey, that doesn't make sense. Why is that not lining up? That doesn't, or the data doesn't line up with the narrative." So. Mm-hmm. Like they don't question, they just simply. I, I I hate having a lot of these conversations because the only response I ever get back is regurgitation of talking points. Yeah, right. That's all no. I ever get back. So I didn't see some people come for you on social media <laughs> with the same re- regurgitated yeah. talking points. Yep. It's like which they tells me they the haven't little... thought. Which tells me they haven't thought through the issue. They're mm-hmm. simply regurgitating their biased news source. All right, here we go. A full abortion ban could increase black maternal deaths by 33% compared to a 21% increase for the overall population, according to a recent study. Mississippi has some of the worst maternal mortality and infant mortality rates in the United States. The state's maternal mortality rate is 33 33 maternal deaths per 100,000 live births. For black women, that number is 51.9 deaths per 100,000 live births, nearly three times the number for white women, 18.9. 
I don't know if I read that correctly. Let me read that one more time. For black women, that number is 51.9 deaths per 100,000 live births. Nearly three times the number for white women, 18.9. Okay. Yeah. And when black women don't die from pregnancy, their pregnancies have riskier complications. This is why some abortions are performed to save lives, though some anti-abortion activists want these exceptions removed from legislation. Rates of ectopic pregnancies, pregnancies in which the egg does not make it to the uterus and instead implants somewhere outside of it, like in a fallopian tube, are higher for black women and are the fifth top cause of maternal death. And, and this is the question I have. Mm-hmm. Because a fallopian tube pregnancy, to me, is not an abortion. It is not an abortion. That's, that's what I'm like. So are those now illegal? No. No, they're not. That's because what I've that, been like. That's not an abortion. That is not an abortion. No. No. And if you have, if you have more questions about that, because we are not medical professionals and can't get deeply into that, um, all the things are podcast that airs on Saturday nights. We just did an episode with an OBGYN from last Saturday, which would have been the 2nd of July. You can go to allthethingsshow.com and watch that episode. We talk about things like ectopic pregnancies or things that are being thrown out there as being abortions and they're not. No one is advocating that if you have an ectopic pregnancy, you need to have abortion and, an abortion and then ban that. That is that that is a talking point that is, I would say, a hoodwink and bamboozle to get people to advocate for abortions. But an ectopic pregnancy does not result in abortion. No. Yeah. But it's things like this that just drive me crazy because I'm like, you know, the the medical procedures that women have um, that are not abortions are now thrown in there, I feel like, as a way to garner kind of like this emotional support and to drum up the sympathies so that, you know, people don't die. Well, no one is wanting a woman to die from an ectopic pregnancy. No one's wanting a woman to die in general, you know, Mm -hmm. but an ectopic pregnancy isn't isn't a, an abortion. It, it doesn't lead to an abortion. Yeah. And I'm, I'm going to bring up something because this article has pointed out some things. 50% of the black community lives in the South, right? The South in general has higher mortality rates, right? And so I often joke around. I'm from the South. I love being from the South. I love being a Southern. And I joke around a lot saying, we die early, but we die happy. And what I mean by that, and what I always reference that too is, we like to eat good. We like to eat what tastes good. And yes, we die early from diabetes and all that kind of stuff, you know, but we happy. But our diets, the cultural diets we have here in the South are not healthy at all. And, it, and it's not about food, deserts, and all that kind of stuff. Because even if we had access, I take that back. We do have access. There's not a grocery store that does not have a produce section. I'm going to sell or canned vegetables, right? But by the time we get through putting the fat back and the hog malls and neck bones and the greens. Oh, yeah. And, it's a little sugar in the cornbread. I mean, well, yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. by the time we get through making our food the way we like it, 
Mm-hmm. This little pinch. It is it is mm, high blood mm-hmm. pressure, diabetes, yeah. obesity, all nobody and nobody's talking about it. Yep. No, that's so if we're gonna say, hey, 50% of the black community is in the South, and this is how we typically live and eat in the South, there might be a reason for the higher rates in general. Yes. No one is talking just, about just gestational it diabetes. Mm-hmm. Just throwing that out there. Yes. Keep throwing. I'm keep throwing. Better, yeah. I'm trying to do better. I'm from the South. I'm not trying to do better. No, we like our seasoning. Like our you fats. Gotta have, I'm from the West Coast, and I like seasoning. Nobody want no dry I know, food. I know, but our favorite seasoning is called fat, bacon, bacon grease. Oh, I see. I, yes. Yes, I love me some bacon grease. We would deep, we deep fry everything. We would deep fry anything. Nothing wrong with Well, yes, there is something wrong with that, but... I'm, I'm just throwing out a, a hypothesis that may lead to a reasoning for some higher rates. Is all I'm saying. Mm-hmm. When your sweet tea is more sugar than water, woo! Yes. <laughs> Don't come here with that weak sweet tea. And unsweet no, tea uh-uh. is a crime. It is. Nobody needs that in their life. Just like no. um, Kool Aid. Like you, you should be able to chew your Kool Aid. Like it need to be thick. <laughs> Yeah, you can't. Don't don't come in here with no watery down Kool Aid or no Kool Aid with no stevia. Don't nobody Dude. want no stevia. Dude. Oh no, no. Don't nobody want no stevia in their Kool Aid. You know, so uh-uh. Uh-uh. yeah, we got high rates. You know what? We happen in you. That's okay. That's all right. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to solve my problem by making me avocado toast and all this stuff. Hey, I like avocado toast, but I am from the West Coast. But I do like me some avocado See, toast. I know, L A. L A. Bougie. I got you. Stop it. Okay, I, we got to keep going. Okay. All right, keep going. Back to the black women. Black women face some of the highest rates of domestic abuse and violence, a factor that contributes to sexual and reproductive coercion. Behaviors relate. See, I just want to stop right there, mm. but I'm going to press on in Jesus. Behaviors related to reproductive health that a partner uses to control the relationship. In one survey, 20% of black women reported that they were made to have sex without a condom when they did not want to. The figure rose to 26% for black mothers. The inability of black women to get abortions can lead to a greater intimate partner violence. One study found that homicide is the leading cause of death among pregnant and postpartum people and that black women were at greater risk. Black women had a threefold higher partner rate of partner homicide victimization than white women. A researcher told the Lily and sorry, the re, a researcher told the Lily and black pregnant women were eight times more likely to be killed by their intimate partner than non-pregnant black women. Researchers explain that black women's high rate of unwanted pregnancy is linked to a partner conflict is linked to partner conflict, stress and violence. See, this is why we need to take a break after every paragraph, because that was a lot. It was um, that that mm. I would say. So this is one you have to tread lightly because this is mm-hmm. real issues, right? Um abuse, sexual assault, sexual abuse, physical abuse, that stuff is nothing to kind of joke around with. That's serious stuff. I think we all probably know somebody who has experienced one or both of those, all of those. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, But with that said to this issue, I don't see how abortion is the solution to that issue. 
Yep. Right. I don't see how a woman terminating the life of her child is the solution to the violent situation she's in. I, I just don't think that that abortion is not the answer to this problem that she's in. You know, yeah. partner conflict, stress, and violence. Abortion is not the answer to that. That's there's that is that's to me when we, t- when we start talking about you know, what is the root cause of this? What is going on here? I don't see how that is a a check in the box for why we need abortion. Um, is to now terminate the life of the child because of whatever that circumstance may be. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know that, that that's a deeper, deeper issue of as a, as a father of three girls, I'm looking at that and I'm going, where are the men yes. in her life? Yep. That's what I'm looking at. Where are the men in her life? Where's her father? Where are uncles? Where where are the men in her life that to say, no, nah, baby, you he's not gonna do you like this. Mm-hmm. Right? We're gonna pull you out of this. Mm-hmm. Um that's there's there's a breakdown somewhere that yeah. that leads to you can't prevent and stop every bad thing in the world from happening. But when we start talking about, hey, you get a higher rate in this particular community, you have to ask, why is that? Right. And typically that's going to come down to some type of culture or family dynamic breakdown. It's, it's a breakdown. in When I look at that, I say that's a breakdown in community. Whatever that is, whatever the reasoning is for that, there's a breakdown in community if you have women feeling powerless in situations with men. Nobody's holding those men accountable for their actions and mm-hmm. nobody's there to protect those women. Yes. And something's wrong at a deeper level. And it shouldn't even be this abortion thing should even be on the table as the solution or that's one of the reasons why you need abortion. No, it, to me, those 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 things are totally not even connected yeah you know yeah it and it, go ahead no no I, i'll let you take it. it it's just a very very sad you know if, if these numbers are correct it is very very sad eight times uh, it says a black a pregnant black woman or pregnant black women were eight times more likely to be killed by their intimate partner than non-pregnant black women um, and you know, it, I think you're right. Like it, there's other conversations that need to happen and no one here, you know, so please hear us. No one here is victim shaming, victim blaming, or things like that. We need to address the issue of domestic violence within the black community. And that's not for today's show, but that is a, a, a situation that we need to tackle and actually look at head on where, are those who um, protect black women within the black community. It's a very serious issue. Yeah. Um, The the situation that comes to my mind, and I'm not going to try to derail us, but it's the Jacob Blake situation. 
where the woman, his girlfriend, had the restraining order against him. He was violating that restraining order. The police were called. Mm -hmm. The police show up. He fights with the police. They tase him. The taser is not working on him. He's just fighting Mm -hmm. and winning against the three officers, by the way. Uh, He gets up and he walks to his car as they are following him with the gun, telling him to stop. Mm -hmm. He ignores them, opens his car door, reaches in. They then shoot him. And we got angry at the police who were there to protect the black woman. Mm -hmm. We burned down a city over him. And nobody cared about the black woman. He was there threatening, had a knife, nothing. We only cared that the police shot him. Yep. That's a problem, right? That is a problem. Nobody cared that he was violating a restraining order she had against him. You know, and that she needed to call the police for protection. But yet, Black Lives Matter. So, Come on. I'm not trying to derail us, but no. to me, this this part right here is a breakdown in that. Yes. Do we really care about these women? Yes. Where are the Where are the men? Because yeah, and having an abortion doesn't fix the fact that this woman is in no. a broken relationship. That this woman no. is, you know sitting in in staying in the home or sitting at the hands of an abuser and she's getting her tail beat whether she has her baby or not and how do we fix that how do we have that conversation that we have women who feel like they have no other out who have no protection who you know are their only or they believe their only recourse is to either stay or to have an abortion or risk being killed. Yeah. Like, you know, it, there, there's a lot of other conversations that need to be had. Abortion is just one of those conversations on the table right now. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to keep going. The landmark decade-long turnaway study, which studied women who wanted abortions but were unable to obtain them, found that women who were turned away from abortions were more likely to experience continued, likely to experience continued domestic violence. On top of this, black women are less likely to report abuse since they are less likely to be believed, causing psychological trauma. Medical professionals also tend to systematically undertreat them for pain due to medical biases. Unintended pregnancies that lead to unwanted births create cycles of disadvantage for black women. Since the pregnancies and births are unplanned, these women are often forced to make compromises in education and in employment opportunities and subsequently lead to poverty and lower education attainment. Being denied an abortion leads to an increase in financial distress that persists for years, according to a recent study. More than 80% of black mothers are breadwinners, which means they are either the sole earners or earning at least 40% of the household's income. Black women are twice as likely as white women to be the sole breadwinner for their families. Nearly one in four black women lives in poverty and though they make up only 12.8% of all women in the U- in the United States population, represent 22.3% of women in poverty. 
the gender wage gap, the gender wealth gap, and segregation into low-paying jobs all limit their employment opportunities. Okay, I'm going to stop there. <sighs> There's a lot said there. A lot. It is. There, there is... There, there's a lot. I mean, we can talk about black fatherlessness. We can talk about the the idea that, and I, I feel like this is where a lot of um, a lot of people on the left or um, pro choice people will argue that well, black fathers are in the home; they just aren't married to the woman. But that creates a whole nother level of issues and another mm-hmm. level of of confusion for children and what's right and what's wrong. Um, but let's yeah, start. Thing, they're, they're not in the they're, they're not they're not in the home. This is what they're saying. Even though they're not in the home, they're involved. They get yeah. them on the weekend. That's what they're saying. They're more likely to to do that, but they're not in the home. Yeah, I, I would say that you know not being in the home and just the dad who you know I live with your mom and we just live together for you know however long, but the refusal to commit yeah. is another situation. Yeah. Um, but this whole, and this kind of what I talked about the first episode about the cycles, how it was, an, it was always an economic argument, right? Mm-hmm. If she has a baby, it's going to be harder for her to get out of poverty. It's this cycle of poverty. It's like the child is the reason when the child is not the reason. Yeah. Um, not only this, I'm... All right. Personal experience time. We're going to talk about how the government is set up to help those with kids versus those who are not. Right. Mm. If you go out and get a kid, you qualify for a lot of things, including child care. Yeah. If your income level is low enough. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, you get child care, you get food stamps, you get all of these different programs. Right. They help you. Wick, you know, all these things take help you take care of your child. Another thing you get is thing called Pell Grants to go yep. to school. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I found this out firsthand as a 18, 19 year old in college. And I was getting denied Pell Grants because, um, of course, I was working. I had a car note, had to work, pay my car note. And then my mom's job that she used to make ends meet, which was check to check, low income, our income combined and me not having any kids meant, oh, you don't qualify for a Pell Grant. Mm-hmm. But if I went out and got a kid, I would qualify for the Pell Grant, right? It was incentivizing me to go out and get a kid. But by not having a kid and working, I wasn't qualified for the aid. And so the it had a, it's rewarding, the system rewards people who don't make the best decisions per se. Yes. Yeah. Um, and so this idea, yes, it is it's gonna make it harder because from a standpoint of your time is not your time anymore, right? If you're gonna work, you're gonna go to school, you gotta grind. You're gonna have to put the grind in. But the resources are there for you to do it. That is what needs to be known. The yes. resources are there that if you get a kid and you still want to get your education and push it is going to be hard because it's going to be a grind. You're going to lose a lot of sleep, writing papers and taking care of your baby and doing all these things, but it's doable. The 
the the resources are there. You don't have to not do because you got a baby. Yep. What do you do or don't do is on you. Right. And yep. so we 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 act as if we have a country or nation that doesn't provide resources for these things. Um, and we act oh. as if people are, are just totally on their own. Which, and the reality oh. is they're not. Yep. It is an act. There is an, especially you live in the city and there is an apparatus of resources there. Yep. Um, and I've talked to plenty of social workers who said their biggest problem is getting people to take advantage of the resources that are there. Yes. Yes. They are basically pleading with these people yes. to take advantage of this program or that program. Mm-hmm. And they just won't do it. Yes. Yes. I, I completely agree. I have had to release people from programs because they refuse to go and take advantage of the system or the structure that is in place to help get them to the next the next place in life. Yes. yes. But the structures yes. are there. They yes. are there. And that's why this argument works my nerve when people are like, you're only pro-life, but you're not, you're, you're only pro-birth. You're not pro-life. As if to say that the the uh, the structure of America is not set up to help the person who has a baby and may not have all of the means or resources to, to care for that baby. They can go, I don't know what it's called in Alabama, but I know here we have like crystal stairs. If you need any kind of childcare, daycare, there's there's a grant for, for childcare and daycare so that after you um have your baby, you can go back to work or you can go to work. We have um, work programs that will teach you a skill so that you can go to work or you can go to school. There's, you get a book grant, you can get a grant to cover your tuition you, there's so many opportunities but people don't know. one i would say some people don't know about it but two some people just aren't taking advantage of it it's easier to simply get an abortion yes all right we only got a couple more paragraphs and so i'm gonna read these i think it's only two and then um i have one more thing after we talk about these two paragraphs that i want to touch on all okay. right The cycle affects their children. The infant mortality rate for black babies is twice that for white babies. Pregnant black women are more likely to receive inadequate or delayed prenatal care and to have poor health outcomes, such as low infant birth weight. Their children are also more likely to face developmental delays, poverty, poor relationships with their mother, neglect, behavioral problems, and lower educational achievement. States with abortion restrictions tend to have fewer policies that support parents raising children, while the U.S. ranks near the bottom compared to peer countries for many of these measures. States with abortion restrictions in in particular tend not to have paid family leave legislation to rank especially low on women's income, to have a lot of uninsured women, and to lack quality childcare. These trends are sure to worsen the generational cycles of disadvantage that many black women are stuck in. Final thoughts on these last two paragraphs. You're not stuck. That's what people need to realize. But that's what they want to convince you of. Yes, you are not stuck. That doesn't mean your your road isn't harder than Mm -hmm. somebody who comes from a no economically privileged background 
But you got to remember, it was your body and your choice. Yes. You made the choice with your body. And now the body growing inside of you is not your body. Yes. Yes. And this all I say is that you're not a victim to your pregnancy. You're not oppressed by your child. And having a child does not make you oppressed within a system. It doesn't. It's, it's called life. And the circumstances you choose to put yourself in, the, a lot of times determines the number of obstacles you're going to have to overcome. And having a child out of wedlock is going to make get harder. And they talk about what's the, 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 the ladder of success or the steps to success. I forgot what it's called, but it's graduate high school, uh, get a job, get married before kids. Mm-hmm. People who follow those steps, the poverty rate is like super, super low. If you just follow those steps, finish high school. That ain't saying go to college. They're just saying finish high school, get a job, get married, have kids. If you do things in that order, you will avoid the cycle, you know, right? And so if people um, would, would just kind of understand that and know that and we we have to have behavioral change and i think that's what we're going to see i think i don't think the pregnancy rate is going to stay the same because they know that the access to abortion is now gone i think you're going to see women make better decisions on who they sleep with and when they sleep with somebody and i think i mean it won't go down to zero clearly not but I do think that you, we're going to see a drop in the number of pregnancies because of women just making better decisions around their choice in their bodies. I hope so. I mean, that would be the one of a, a very hopeful, you know, solution or outcome. I think something we're hoping for, you know, that um, not saying that we are anti-kid or things like that. Like we don't want babies. No, we just want people to be responsible in their decision making mm-hmm. be responsible oh. and and go ahead i just thought about it too like a lot of these women who get abortions are pressured to get abortions by the boyfriend who don't want the kid mm-hmm. right so yeah. all these men who don't want the kid they're gonna start thinking differently about sleeping with a woman unprotected especially one they're not tied to emotionally in a relationship with it's just kind of somebody you're hooking up with. That guy is going to be less likely to have unprotected intercourse. Yeah. If he knows that there's no way to undo what is done. Right. Yeah. And so I think you're going to see behavior change on both ends. Yeah. I'm that that's that would be a very, I feel like positive change for many people within the black community. Um, it, it's it's definitely a change that is that's needed, um, especially just for our population, so that we can grow. Yeah. Now I, I, there. This is what I was saying. No, I'm sorry. I, this ahead, I, no, I, 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 I believe I believe Roe v. Wade and the whole sexual revolution that kind of came with it at the same time detached sex from relationship. It just really did. Oh yeah. Sex just became about pleasure and doing whatever you want with whoever you want whenever you want it. Right. Yeah. Definitely. No but consequences. It, it, yeah. And it, it also detached sex from, from procreation. 
Yes. So now I'm going to yes. have sex, but I don't have to have a baby. I don't have to procreate. Yep. Now that's going to change. So yeah. it's going to change people's behavior. Two things. I know I said I only had one thing, but I actually have two things. I would like, and I don't know if you're up for it, and if you're not up for it, people will never know because I will have this edited out. This is the beauty of technology, people. Um, I saw someone, you went back and forth, you had a bit of, of back and forth with someone on social media about rape. And when do we allow abortions and do we allow abortions for the victims of rape? Because we haven't talked about this. We have not talked about rape. We have, we have not. not talked about children who are the victims of incest and molestation and things like that. Um, and I don't want, I don't want to have a short sighted conversation. I don't want people to leave here in, in confusion about our position or things like mm. that. Um, but I thought that your comments on this um, back and forth dialogue you were having with this person were very measured. I thought they were very respectful. I thought that they um, were very clear. So I was wondering yeah. if you could share, if you would be open to share some of that with us. And like I said, if you don't want to, you can go ahead and tell me right now because I will edit this out. I want to technically no. edit it out myself, no. I mean but you know, I'll get it edited out. I mean, no, this this is off code and we we say hard things and have hard com conversation. This is a very, very difficult conversation to have because we know that when something like as horrible as rape happens, there's a lot of empathy for the victim of that situation. Um, I've had friends and family be the victims of sexual assaults. So this is not coming from a place of just not caring or apathy, right? Mm -hmm. um, on the issue of abortion, the reason that this is less of an issue is because less than 1% of abortions conducted are the result of rape, right? At least from reporting. So less than 1%. So over 99% of the abortions that take place have absolutely nothing to do with rape. So people who bring up rape are really bringing up the outlier of outliers. Rape, sexual assaults very, very rarely result in any type of pregnancy. And then once it does, it's up to that, you no, know, all women don't seek abortions for, in that situation. Um, this is the hardest part to talk about because from a standpoint of if we're going to say life begins at conception, or even if you believe it is at the heartbeat or whatever you believe it is, at some point in time, people, no matter where you land, believes that what is inside that woman is a life, is a human being. Whether you believe it's at three weeks, six weeks, 10 weeks, 13 weeks, 20 weeks, at some point in time, every single person believes and knows that's a human being inside the woman. There is a baby. The issue with rape is if that is a human life, regardless of the situation that that life came to, how that life came to be, when is it ever okay to take that innocent life? And that is the really difficult question because there is a sense of the thought process of a woman who was the victim of a crime so horrible as rape 
now has to carry for nine months a child that is hers, but is also of her rapist. That is, there's no, you, there's no way to be callous about that. There's no way to not empathize with how difficult a situation that is. But as a society, this whole issue is simply about two lives here. There are two lives. And at what point is it okay to take one of those lives? At what point is it okay, regardless of the situation, to take an innocent life? Um, and I personally, from because we're talking about laws, and this isn't this isn't putting oh you're putting your beliefs on someone else. All laws are moral. We cannot detach law from morality. When we have laws that say you can't murder, you can't steal. That's not, that's in the Ten Commandments. That's not, nobody say, oh, that's religion. No, it is simply, we believe from a moral standpoint that it's wrong to murder somebody. So given that thought process, if we believe that that is an innocent life, then to believe that it is wrong to murder that person is not a forcing of religious beliefs on someone else, on society. This is saying, as a society, how do we legislate this issue between two people? And one person can't speak for themselves, right? And so as a society, we have to have a ruling on this. It can't simply be left open. If we believe that as a person and there are two people involved in this, the law has to regulate the interaction between these two people. Yeah. And I don't know any situation where we can say one person has the right to end the life of another, regardless of the circumstances. And I, I should say from an innocent person, you know, if you, you know, self-defense, you, def, you know, defended somebody else. Yeah. And we, we understand those things. But simply an innocent life, who has the right to take it? Yep. Um, does that person have a right to life? And I believe that regardless of the circumstance, regardless of how hard it is, that that person has a right to live. And no one has the right to take that person's life regardless and so as horrible as the situation is i believe that's where um just from a moral standpoint i I land i can't fathom and and the person even tried to make it personal to me i have three Mm -hmm. daughters yeah if if that happened to one of my daughters there's no way i would be saying the answer is for her to kill her child you know i'm not gonna sit here and say i'm gonna make her you know, raise the child if she doesn't feel that's something she wants to do. Mm -hmm. Um, But the trauma, there's trauma from abortion. There's trauma from knowing you took the life of your own child. Nobody talks about that, right? That women aren't just simply always okay emotionally from an abortion because I say at the end of the day, we all realize at some point in time, that's a human being. That was a life. That Mm -hmm. was a child. She's going to wonder, if I didn't get that abortion, my child would be three years old. What would they be like? Yes. What would their hair look like? I wonder what they would look like. How would they laugh? How would they smile? What would they be into? Those are real, natural questions. That's human. And so there are consequences to ending a human life for a mother to end the life of her child. Yep. And that's something that we just we tend, to, we tend to glance over. And so that's no way that I would put that pressure on my daughter to 
in her child. I'm gonna give her all the support in the world. And I'm gonna let her know that we love her. We are going to love whatever decision she makes the child, whether she wants to raise it, whether she is too hurt from it to see it grow up, especially if it looks like the person, you know, mm-hmm. those are real things. She wants to do an open adoption to one day she might change her mind and want to, you know, be in the child's life. We can do that. But to kill the child is never, never to yeah. me, never the solution to this issue. And so thank you. Thank you for sharing that. I just thought that that conversation was um, was very well done. And just your thoughts on it were, you know, extremely helpful. And the stand that you take is extremely helpful as a parent. You know, it's not like yeah. this, you know, well, if I have kids or da, 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 but no, you actually have kids. And this is the stand that you're taking for your family. So yeah, thanks for sharing daughters. that. I have yes. a wife and three daughters. Like I'm yeah. in a house of women. You know, mm-hmm. this is not something I'm detached from or distant from. This is something yeah. that I have to think. And that's the thing. There was a study. I think um, uh, George Yancey, either he did the study or he or he just shared it. But people who are conservative um, tend to their theology tends to drive their politics. And people who are more on the progressive side, their politics t- tend to drive their theology. Right. And so I would say I'm rooted and grounded in certain principles that I apply those principles to situations rather than the other way around. Right. And so based on the principles that I have that I believe about life, I can't I can't be a hypocrite and come off of that just because, oh, now it's personal to me or it's hard. Right. The principle is the principle. And now yeah. let's work together as even as a community to come around that person or that situation and help yeah. them through it. Yeah. Right. No, that's good. That's real good. Yeah. Now, the last thing that I want to talk about is um, where is the prophetic black voice? Where is the church with all these numbers? You're trying to get me in trouble again. I know. I, I, I feel like, you know, I'm not And it's a conversation like this isn't just just a you thing. You know, but this is what I'm wondering. I'm wondering where we are in this conversation. You know, we we will talk about a lot of things. You know, we'll promote the tithe. I know Creflo Dollar just came out with something about that. That's all that, another conversation. That, no, oh, I can't, no, no, can't no. go down that road. We'll be here for two more hours. But, you know, where where are the black leaders in the church saying not on my block you know i I don't i can't really say what's gonna happen on this block but my church is on this block and so this block here we we not know we're gonna be in the houses we're gonna be in the doors we're gonna be you know doing our um outreach and evangelism and having this conversation yeah um i will say there are some brave black pastors that took that stance I will say that I do know some. Okay. They are few few and far between though. The majority of what I saw was some of the stupidest comments I've ever heard. You see that mess from um, William Murphy? I, I, that was that the guy in the white shirt. I don't know who it was. Yes. Yes. That, that was dumb. That was some of the dumbest stuff. Um, but I'm going to say this. Black churches 
have been catering and appealing to the emotions of women for a long time. It is not about principle. It's not about scripture. It's not about standing on anything other than to get those women in those pews. And the majority of the people in those pews are women to shout and yell, amen. There's no male leadership. There's no leadership in, I'm going to preach what the word of God says. I'm going to stand on that. It is catering to the emotions of women, saying what they want you to say, getting all the amens and the shouts. And it is also catering to the democratic politicians in the platform. Those are the two biggest factors in the response. Um, there is no prophetic. I shouldn't say there's none. <laughs> there's a very, very small prophetic black voice. Yeah. Most are simply there to go along with whatever the cultural narrative is, right? Whatever's going to get people in the pews and the seats to say amen and to give money. They're willing to say it. they're not convictional. They're not biblical. They're not standing on anything other than the cultural convictions. What do I have to say to be good with the culture? What do I have to say to be mm -hmm. in line with the, plat the political platform I want them to vote for? You know, um, I, I, I said in, in our previous episode, we talked about the black vote and you said, hey, where's the black church? I said they're up at the press conference standing next to the mayor. Right. Yep. The Democratic mayor. They want to be there in the spotlight. They want to be Dr. King. They want to be Jesse Jackson. They want to be Al Sharpton. They want to be well thought of. They want to be brought in to give speeches and make money. They want to go in to I come to your church and you do, will do a love offering for me. And then I bring you to my church and maybe we do a love offering for you and we can get paid and get that money. You know, they're just there to get status recognition. It is not about the gospel. It ain't about the community. It's about, not about none of it. It's about their status and their wallets, their looks, their house, their cars. And I know that's hard to say, but that's what it is. And we talked about it in the other episode. The yeah. biggest pimp in the hood is the preacher. And I yes. say that as somebody who came up in the black church. They're, they're, it's sad. And it is. It's really, it's really sad. sad. And it's not, we're not saying every black church across America nope. for all time, places, and spaces. But nope. this is a conversation that is missing in a majority, I would say, of black churches. A good mm -hmm. number of black churches mm -hmm. are missing the conversation on abortion and the fact yep. that abortion is murder. And what I have seen since the overturning of Roe v. Wade is black pastors actually coming out and declaring from their pulpit that they are going to defend the woman's right to choose. Yeah. That's a problem. Every That's demonic. Like, let's call a thing a thing. That's demonic. Everything but it's coming they said, out of the, word, the mouth of the pulpit. Go ahead. Yes. Everything they were saying was simply the talking points I was talking about. Yes. They just simply regurgitating talking points. There is no biblical, scriptural, hey, what does God say? It was my body, my choice, right to choose. That ain't, that ain't in the Bible. That's not scripture. You know, mm -hmm. um, yeah. And so, I mean, the fact that they're, you know, they're solid on that. They're solid on the horrific things that happen in the community. They're solid on all the single moms. They're solid on the absent fathers. They're silent on all the abuse. babies that are wedlocked. They're silent mm -hmm. on the abuse. They're silent on abortions. They're, they're silent. Only thing they want to talk about is systemic racism. Yeah. That's it. That's mm. the only thing they want to talk about. 
They won't talk about anything that's on the Democratic ticketing platform. That's it. They won't talk about the latest police shooting, you know, and they want to give a, 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 a sermon that gets everybody up in the, out their seat on those issues. And they, I don't even call it a sermon. They want to give a <laughs> very theatrical talk, right? Um, and this is what I'm saying. You're going to get me in trouble. You knew what you was doing asking me this question. You did. I wasn't because, trying. I promise. Because this is the thing. I, and I've, like I said, I've said this in the past on the, uh, I think on the Black Vote video. Since the civil rights movement was so successful, the playbook for the Black church is to tie themselves to the Democratic Party and the way to prosperity and solution to all our issues is politics, hmm. right? They are so tied to politics. You know, we, we talk about, you know, white evangelicals and politics and all that kind of stuff. People talk about Christian nationalism. There is no more political religious entity than the black church. Let's get that straight. There is no single religious entity more political than the black church. Go ahead. None. Yep. Right. And so when you think about that, you want to say, where are they? They're, they're tied to it. They're tied to a party and a platform that pushes abortion, that pushes LGBTQ, that pushes you know, this this narrative about, you know, systemic racism, this this narrative that you need to vote for them or you're going the boogeyman is going to get you, you know, um, they, they're the ones who are getting politicians in their pulpits on Sunday mornings. They're the ones that are having, you know, uh, politicians come in and get love offerings to the church of th- several thousands of dollars. Right. Mm-hmm. That's what's going on. And they're tied to it. And so they're silent on the issues. We shouldn't have to do this podcast. We really right. should not have to do this podcast. Right. These things should be said clearly from churches across black churches across America. The things yes. we talk about in this podcast. The reason we started this podcast, because it wasn't being talked about. It wasn't being said. So where are they? They're silent. That's yep. where they are. So you got and with trouble. that, I wasn't trying to get you in trouble, but I you, do give you, you a are, hearty you amen. Are. I give you a hearty amen. All right, that is it for us. We have gone a little bit longer, but we thank you for being with us. Um, Leave your comments. Let us know what you think. Please like the show, share the show, give us a thumbs up, let people know about Off Code, help get the analytics up and out there. There is no reason why puppies and you know video games should have higher likes than Off Code. People like us and get us out there and help someone else think about the conversation from a historically biblical position. And with that, Kevin, I'll see you later. Yep. Deuces. Bye you guys. Bye.